Letter number four of the Silence Do Good Letters by Benjamin Franklin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. And sum etiam nunc vel Graeque loqui vel Latine docendus. Cicero. To the author of the New England Current. Sir, discoursing the other day at dinner with my reverend boarder, formerly mentioned, whom for distinction's sake we will call by the name of Clericus, concerning the education of children i asked his advice about my young son william whether or no i had best bestow upon him academical learning or as our phrases bring him up at our college he persuaded me to do it by all means using many weighty arguments with me and answering all the objections that i could form against it telling me withal that he did not doubt but that the lad would take his learning very well and not idle away his time as too many there nowadays do these words of Clericus gave me a curiosity to inquire a little more strictly into the present circumstances of that famous seminary of learning, but the information which he gave me was neither pleasant nor such as I had expected. As soon as dinner was over, I took a solitary walk into my orchard, still ruminating on Clericus's discourse with much consideration, until I came to my usual place of retirement under the great apple-tree, where having seated myself, and carelessly laid my head on a verdant bank, I fell by degrees into a soft and undisturbed slumber. My waking thoughts remained with me in my sleep, and before I waked again I dreamt the following dream. I fancied I was travelling over pleasant and delightful fields and meadows, and through many small country towns and villages, and as I passed along all places resounded with the fame of the Temple of Learning. Every peasant who had wherewithal was preparing to send one of his children at least to this famous place and in this case most of them consulted their own purses instead of their children's capacities, so that I observed a great many, yea, the most part of those who were travelling thither, were little better than dunces and blockheads. Alas! Alas! At length I entered upon a spacious plain, in the midst of which was erected a large and stately edifice. It was to this that a great company of youths from all parts of the country were going, so stepping in among the crowd I passed on with them, and presently arrived at the gate. The passage was kept by two sturdy porters named Riches and Poverty, and the latter obstinately refused to give entrance to any who had not first gained the favour of the former, so that I observed many who came even to the very gate were obliged to travel back again as ignorant as they came, for want of this necessary qualification. However, as a spectator I gained admittance, and with the rest entered directly into the temple. In the middle of the great hall stood a stately and magnificent throne, which was ascended to by two high and difficult steps. On the top of it sat learning in awful state. She was apparelled wholly in black, and surrounded almost on every side with innumerable volumes in all languages. She seemed very busily employed in writing something on half a sheet of paper, and upon enquiry I understood she was preparing a paper called the New England Current. On her right hand sat English, with a pleasant smiling countenance, and handsomely attired, and on her left were seated several antique figures with their faces veiled. I was considerably puzzled to guess who they were, until one informed me, who stood beside me, that those figures on her left hand were Latin, Greek, Hebrew, etc., and that they were very much reserved, and seldom or never unveiled their faces here, and then to few or none, though most of those who have in this place acquired so much learning as to distinguish them from English, pretended to an intimate acquaintance with them. I then inquired of him what could be the reason why they continued veiled, in this place especially. He pointed to the foot of the throne where I saw idleness, attended with ignorance, and these, he informed me, were they who first failed them, and still kept them so. Now I observed that the whole tribe who entered into the temple with me began to climb the throne, 
but the work proving troublesome and difficult to most of them they withdrew their hands from the plough and contented themselves to sit at the foot with madame idleness and her maid ignorance until those who were assisted by diligence and a docile temper had well nigh got up the first step but the time drawing nigh in which they could no way avoid ascending they were fain to crave the assistance of those who had got up before them and who for the reward perhaps of a pint of milk or a piece of plum-cake lent the lubbers a helping hand and sat them in the eye of the world upon a level with themselves the other step being in the same manner ascended and the usual ceremonies at an end every beetle skull seemed well satisfied with his own portion of learning though perhaps he was e'en just as ignorant as ever and now the time of their departure being come they marched out of doors to make room for another company who waited for entrance and i having seen all that was to be seen quitted the hall likewise and went to make my observations on those who were just gone out before me some i perceived took to merchandising others to travelling some to one thing some to another and some to nothing and many of them from henceforth for want of patrimony lived as poor as church mice being unable to dig and ashamed to beg and to live by their wits it was impossible but the most part of the crowd went along a large beaten path which led to a temple at the further end of the plain called the temple of theology the business of those who were employed in this temple being laborious and painful i wondered exceedingly to see so many go towards it but while i was pondering this matter in my mind i spied pecunia behind a curtain beckoning to them with her hand which sight immediately satisfied me for those whose sake it was that a great part of them i will not say all travelled that road in this temple i saw nothing worth mentioning except the ambitious and fraudulent contrivances of plagius who notwithstanding he had been severely reprehended for such practices before was diligently transcribing some eloquent paragraphs out of tillotson's works etc to embellish his own now i bethought myself in my sleep that it was time to be at home and as i fancied i was travelling back thither i reflected in my mind on the extreme folly of those parents who blind to their children's dullness and insensible of the solidity of their skulls because they think their purses can afford it will needs send them to the temple of learning where for want of a suitable genius they learn little more than how to carry themselves handsomely and enter a room genteelly which might as well be acquired at a dancing school and from whence they return after abundance of trouble and charge as great blockheads as ever only more proud and self-conceited while i was in the midst of these unpleasant reflections clericus who with a book in his hand was walking under the trees accidentally awaked me to him i related my dream with all its particulars and he without much study presently interpreted it assuring me that it was a lively representation of harvard college etc i remain sir your humble servant silence do good the new england current may fourteenth seventeen twenty two end of letter number four of the silence do good letters